All right, hey everybody. I'm not positive when I'm going to uh, release this episode. You'll know because you'll be listening to it. So it's more interesting for me right now. Uh, it's April. No, it's April. It's uh, October 30th. It's uh, Friday night, about nine something in the p.m. And recording this, I'm still, I'll see how it goes. I'm struggling between releasing it this Thursday, which would be like November 5th or 4th or 3rd or 7th, or releasing it uh, Thursday a week before Thanksgiving, which will kick off our holiday season. Yeah, it would be, but I think I'm going to release it this Thursday. And just a heads up, this is I'm going to be as lulling and soothing as I can. And uh, I mean, I don't know what technique I'm going to try, but this is going to be a, a how the sausage is made episode. And I don't know, uh, well, I don't think it'll be that interesting. You can always re-listen to it, but don't, don't, you know, don't feel the need to stay up. I'll make some really, you know, boring stuff, maybe, or just talk really slow. Or if I start to, I, I said, okay, Scooter, if you get excited, we'll change the format and we'll have you interviewed by the uh, Ion Science lady uh, once we get into talking about this. And this isn't good news or bad news. This is uh, uh, this is something new to try out that I've never done before. So I'm going to explain the why, and that'll explain the what a little bit. And I guess I'll do a short why, because then as soon as I do that, and what, and then there'll be a long what and why, and then we'll get into this stuff. But um, for the for, for the whole, whole time we've had the podcast, almost the whole time, there's always been at least once a week an ongoing serial story. And we've done a bunch of different ones. In the last three, we've done it in Lady Witchbeard, I believe, After the Glass Slipper, and uh, Superdoll. I don't know if there are any other ones in there. I feel bad, but I, I don't think so. I'm not positive. And uh, as I've uh, as the podcast has gone, I've put more and more time in those stories. But I've also hit some problems with... Uh, uh, the the time in between stories. So the nice thing about uh, having a deadline is once the series starts, it doesn't. I, I say it. it uh, I have to get the episode done and release. I don't really have a choice because I want the episode out on time and I want it there for all of you to sleep too. And I take pride in being you know having the episodes out on time and consistently. And it helps me to put more time into making the writing the story every day uh, in, in order because I know it's going to be out. I say it, it helps me avoid procrastination having a deadline. It's a miracle thing for me, really. Uh, but then the time in between the stories, I say, well, the stories go a little bit better the more I, this is what I tell myself. So we just finished Lady Witchbeard. And my temptation, I had already planned on doing this actually, but. Maybe like a month or two ago, as I knew Lady Witchbeard was coming to a close, I said, okay, well, uh, maybe I'll take a, we'll just, I said, I don't know, but I'd like to have a month off to just start breaking the next story. But I've done that before, and it, not having the deadline seems to stretch it out. And ideally what i do is, uh, like, plot out the whole story, or at least a general thing. Okay, here's the beginning, here's the episode, you know, one, two, three, four. And maybe as the story goes on, and that's what I've tried to do. 
But then I notice as it goes from like two weeks to four weeks to six weeks to eight weeks. And not having the public deadline where the episode has to be out. It, uh, I, I think I procrastinate or else I'm not, I think I work a little bit better under the pressure of a deadline, to be honest with you. It puts pressure on me to perform and come up with stuff, and it makes me more creative in a strange way, I think. And I know some of you might be a little boy, it's a boring podcast, Scooter. We don't know. I say, yeah, I know, but part of the magic of this podcast is the intention in the process, not the uh, not the uh, end result. You know, this is a isn't a result. You know, this isn't a you know podcast. Of, I don't know, but, but you know what I mean. If you've been listening a while, if you're new, you'll get you know the result is hopefully you fall asleep or you feel you feel less alone. You feel like somebody's there in the deep dark night with you. So, uh, so that that's uh, so the reason why I'm doing this. I said, well. Okay, what if I publicly break the story, or instead of have you having any time off uh, to go out and say, well, "Okay, what's this story going to be about?" Uh, what if I have to do show to a show about the show development? And I said, "Well, that's it." I said, "Who said that? That's not half bad idea." Because I said, "One, okay, creates a deadline for me." Some people might say, hey, how does this guy, what's, what's the process? And I'd say, okay, the process is like when someone takes a nice bar, ball of yarn and then uh, you hand it to me and 10 minutes later it's all knotted up. So I'm not sure you, you'll like actually learn anything, but you see, you might be, you might be interested. I don't know. And uh, three, can I make this, you know, it's always a question, can I make this lulling, soothing, and dull? And will this be boring? And, you know, will it help the show? I mean, will it make this upcoming series better? And then can I use that in the next series? Because the next series coming up is a short holiday series. But let's take a step a bit further back, you know, and this will be this will be long and drawn out. Because this is something I feel like I've talked about before, but maybe not everybody knows about it. Maybe some people, maybe I think I've talked about it when I haven't. But I want to talk a little bit about the making of the podcast as a whole and, and all of that. And I guess I always go with the assumption everybody knows this, but maybe not everybody does it, that I have a full-time non-podcasting job that I work 40 hours a week for. And that job is more or less a Monday through Friday, 9 to 5 job. Uh, Though lately I've changed some of the things in my job, so it's a little bit more intense. It used to be that when I left work, it, I didn't really think about it ever until I went back to work. And full disclosure, don't I can't really talk about my job. And I don't want to get too much into my job, but it's a, it's a job where I, I help people and I get paid a reasonable amount of money, but not a fortune. And I have nice benefits. And it's kind of a, I'm kind of in a tough position because I don't make enough money to... Uh, say, oh, I'm going to save some money and then do, you know, have a, have like a, a, a podcast fund to say, okay, I can stop my job and just do the podcast. But I also have a job that, 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 that allows me to get by here in the Bay Area and it has insurance and it involved all the things that it made, made me, it keeps me there. And those are kind of tough things to come by nowadays. And a reason to give up making a lot of money or whatever. But, but you know, I'm at this crossroads where I'm like, geez, what's going to happen with my job? Am I going to do this podcast? 
So that's my job, Monday through Friday, 9 to 5. Really, with the commuting in the Bay Area, even though I don't drive, it's still more like 7.30 to 6, 6.30 uh, with your commute. But I know everyone, you know, a lot of people have to deal with that. So, so, and then I make the podcast in my spare time. And the podcast takes me about 40 or 50 hours a week to do. And uh, and and it's 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 not as difficult as it sounds. It's definitely uh, can be overwhelming at times. And but it's the first time I've actually followed through on anything in my spare time, uh, like a project like this for two years now, uh, with anything resembling like dedication and follow through. And I haven't been bitter about it. I've been concerned. I said, Jesus is sustainable. You know, every once in a while I get bitter or, or burned out, but but overall it's not like I'm like this. If if I only would, like, I don't know, a lot of other times in my life with projects, I would feel a little bit irritated that I was putting in so much effort to it. And I said, well, what about my spare time to relax or whatever? Or, or I'd be, I don't know, I find it, and especially because of the wonderful interactions we have, because it helps so many of you rest, and I hear all your stories, uh, because it's fun telling you bedtime stories. Those all make it a little bit easier, you know, to do the podcast on Friday night, for example, right now. But also, what's interesting, or what's interesting about this isn't all those details. It's what uh, the process of discovery that those details have uh, forced me to discover. It just double used discovery, so it hasn't solved my uh, limited vocabulary, but and what do I mean by that? This is getting into the the meat of the, the. It's going into the sausage, or maybe this is the skin, or maybe this is a faux sausage. So this is the to, you know, the the rice uh, paper. We'll say what I mean is so we have three different episodes a week, and why do we have? Uh, one, why do we have three episodes a week? Well, right away when I started the podcast, I was trying to always think as a, as a listener podcast, I always say, well, geez, what would have been a listener? And I say, well, if I was listening to this podcast, it was putting me to sleep. I would want it five days a week. And I looked at how hard it was to make it once. And I said, well, that, that's impossible. So I said, can I make it two times a week? And then I did it two times. And I said, okay, let's see if we can get three times a week. And once we get to three times a week, I said, okay, this is all that is possible. Probably even without, even if you were only doing podcasting only, I don't know. It's a lot of work uh, uh, mentally and physically too. But I said, okay, if we can get three one-hour episodes, that was my, my ideal shoot situation I was shooting for. So I said, okay, we're going to do it three times a week. Now, believe it or not, when I started this podcast, I didn't have a plan other than to see how it went. I said, let's see if we make this podcast to put people to sleep. I said, I guess we could do it as a potpourri of different stuff. But I, I originally, like a year before I started, or maybe eight months, I was like, oh, I could do some stuff about Game of Thrones, maybe The Walking Dead. I had the story idea for After the Glass Slipper, but I thought that would only be like one episode. And then when I started writing it, I was like, oh, maybe it could be three episodes. And then I was like, maybe something like a Flash Gordon type serial story. I didn't really have any plans because I said, okay, let's just start doing this thing and see how it goes and see if we can follow through on it. 
So my goals were not super ambitious. It was like, okay, can we make one episode? And believe it or not, I think 50% of the people that make their first podcast episode don't make episode two. So I said, okay, can we make a two, episode two? And then I think another 50% of people stopped making podcasts between episode two and episode eight. So I said, okay, can we get to eight? And then after that, I think the next number is like 20-something. So I said, okay, well, let's see. So those were my goals along the way. And I said, well, geez, hopefully some people listen. And uh, let's, well, let's just see how this goes. Let's see, can we make a podcast to put people to sleep? Can we keep making it? And can we, you know, improve it as we go? And if you listen back, it's like, okay, I wasn't too worried about uh, uh, running out of ideas right away because I, I tend to be a bit of a, you know, all over the place with my interests. So I said, okay, I think I can come up with ideas. So when we when I started it, I had I had after the glass slipper, but I still didn't have the story where I wanted it. And then I did a couple of, I did a, the first episode was about uh, a behind the scenes of a. Uh, uh, looking into the meaning of an uh, a Hall and Oates song, uh, You Make My Dreams Come True. Is that about codependency or not? And, uh, you know, it was just, it was just a fun thing. And then I made some episodes uh, based on the Walking Dead season. Uh, but the thing was with the Hall and Oates song show episode, I was like, well, I, kinda, I didn't have the confidence uh, I was like, oh, maybe I need the music. So I said, oh, well, I won't do any Hall & Oates songs anymore right now. But maybe I could go back to that. And then The Walking Dead, it had some elements of what would make this podcast keep going. But I just wasn't feeling it. And I said, well, that material might be a little bit too much for most people. Uh, but we, we we did discover, uh, you know, I said I, I discovered how to do some boring stuff in there and follow. I say, okay, what about fence codes, you know, building codes and stuff like that. And then after that, I think I started uh, after the glass slipper. I did uh, some serial stuff based on like Walking Dead at the North Pole. Like I guess that would be my first foray into fan fiction type area. And after I started doing it, I think this is how it went now, and I might not be correct in my memory. But once I started doing the After Glass Slipper, I was hooked. I said, okay, I really like this, uh, uh, coming up with these new stories every week, and this is really fun. So I said, okay, maybe, and then I had the idea for Get Bessels. Uh, and I said, well, maybe, okay, should we do that? So I think I started doing both those at the same time. And, and I was, and I said, and I guess part of me was like, hey, why don't you just do one series? And I said, well, no, no, no. Like, what if some people like After the Glass Slipper and they don't like Get Bessels? Or if they like Get Bessels and they don't like After the Glass Slipper? I wanted a, a variety of stuff for different people just in case. I said, maybe not everybody will like everything. And uh, so that'll be, maybe we'll come back to that idea. But, uh, and then I started a third series called The Florida Project, which was kind of like a show Weeds with a guy that wanted to uh, run a brothel at a retirement community in Florida. And so I was doing all three of those, and then I realized, uh, one, I didn't think that was an appropriate like just thinking about some of the things that you read about and that I know about from my work. I said, well, this isn't a boring podcast. It's not the place to handle 
uh, these sexual issues with nuance in, in a you know or parody or and that you know everything has to be uh, rated G or whatever or you know I, I like pushing the envelope. But I said just not in this not in this uh, uh, thing. It's like you can't. I don't know. I just didn't think it worked. So I said, okay, that's the end of that. And then also at the same time, I realized I don't think I can keep up with making three different fictional series episodes every week. You know, there's people getting paid, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars just to come up with one TV episode every week. And they, you know, that's exhausting. What the heck am I thinking? I'm one person. And I said, okay, you're right. So then it was like, uh, we, I said, let's just do After the Glass Slipper. Then we started doing Game of Thrones at some point. And I said, okay, this has got a little bit of a rhythm to it. Like writing some stuff for After the Glass Slipper. And then watching uh, Game of Thrones a couple times and taking notes and then doing research. I said, okay, this is using two different parts of my brain and two different levels of uh, effort and energy. I said, okay, this is a little more sustainable here. And then at some point we came up with Trending Twitter Tuesday. And I said, okay, well, there's a, something. You just make up a story on the spot now. Uh, of all the ones, emotionally hardest is the trending Twitter Tuesdays. And they can just be really draining to try to make up a story on the spot and not freak out that it's not going well or it's not good. And to not procrastinate and then leave it till like 9 or 10 o'clock at night and then try to do it. And then be, you know, then not be able to fall asleep. Uh, so those ones are really tough, but they're also really rewarding. And... Uh, you get to go into, and I think I've learned so much from those about not being a perfectionist, about saying, um, seeing how that lets a story just develop in front of you and watch it, and then trying to gently control it instead of trying to be control everything. So it's not something I would ever stop because, it, it, but it's kind of like jumping without a, you know, it's like jumping without a, you know, it's just a little bit scary can be. And then I also figured out as we were doing these three different things, they said, okay, now we're starting to help say some people don't like, uh, the serial stories because maybe they're hard to follow or maybe they don't like the characters or, or something. And they say, okay, well, then there's two other options or people might not like Game of Thrones or they might love Game of Thrones so much. So then they say, look, well, trending Twitter Tuesday or they say, or maybe some people only like one. And I say, well, okay, it's an hour. And now even as we're talking tonight, it's like, okay, now we have this back catalog that you can check out. So so it's like, again, putting myself in people's shoes or trying to and saying, okay, well, uh, what's going what's gonna to maintain the balance, be sustainable, not please everybody, but say, okay, if you can't, you know, I, I, I guess I, don't, I think I'm making sense. So uh, that's, that's uh, so I guess that's kind of the, the genesis of how we got to where we are with the three different things. And it's like, what is sustainable? Like, okay, so what are all the listeners going to be able to find something that, that, to sleep to? Uh, what am I going to be able to do every week? And my output is, okay, I can write a, a serial story every week. 
uh, most of the time I could try to sit down and find the time uh, to to come up with a, a story on the spot based on what's trending on Twitter, or what's on my mind, or whatever. And then we can I can watch a show and take notes, and you know it's a little bit more work with the metastasis because I watch it three times, metastasis twice, and Breaking Bad. But again, I look at it like learning to make the podcast better. I'm like, okay, uh, watching one of the greatest TV shows ever made. Uh, three times in a week and paying attention to what's happening and watching this wonderful acting and these stories unfold. It can't be a bad thing for the podcast. And it's also enjoyable. And I say, maybe I'm learning some Spanish. And it just uses a different part of my brain than the other two parts of the podcast. And also I enjoy different things about each uh, each. Uh, uh, style episode that we do in a different way. And I mean, that's another very important part of it for me is, is having a variety of work to do. It's like, okay, I don't want to get sick of this. Like, like I've said in the past, I could easily uh, do shows where I just make up a boring story every night. And, you know, that, that uh, isn't challenging and I, I can guarantee it wouldn't work. Uh, wouldn't work for for all of you, or it would work for a tiny, tiny section of people. And at some point, it would stop working for me. And and it's weird that it has to be tough and challenging and not easy. Uh, but it's like, okay, what's going to keep me doing? If this is a podcast that puts you to sleep, what's going to keep me showing up and doing my best? You know. So these are the things that kind of factor in the current state of the podcast and the current state of uh, where, you know, where, you know, the, how we're going to keep going. This is the current state of things. And I always love hearing feedback and I've been getting a lot of feedback through the survey and just in general. And it's helping me more. Get, I say, OK, wow, this is really working. And maybe there's some other things we can do to tweak things. But I say, OK, this is, maybe this is what's sustainable I mean, not right now. Right now, we're definitely in a phase where it's like, okay, what are we going to do next to make it sustainable? And that's bringing in somebody to work and edit the shows and hire somebody to do about six hours of editing a week, which would cut like six hours out of my time, which normally I'm editing on my lunch and breaks at work and then at night. So it'll be a nice... uh no matter what happens, I'll be like, okay, that'll be sustainable because, you know, I'll be a little more rested. And But then it's like, okay, I think at some point this podcast may become, you know, I said, well, maybe I'll be able to do this as a job. And, you know, say, okay, now all this time I've invested in podcasts uh, will enable me to do this. But we'll see. You know, I don't, we're not at, we're not at that point. We're, we're in the point of like, oh, let's get somebody in here to help. And then let's go on to, you know, let's, let's see how that goes. And it, that we're close to that. And we'll probably do a combination of, as we've talked about, Patreon and sponsors. But that's not what this episode is about. It's just a little check in there about that. But then we get to where we are now. So coming up here, this is how the specific sausage goom. And so this is where we get into the specific sausage of how, like, uh, what's the process I go through on the weeks between or the month or two between series to try to figure it out. 
And that's what I've been doing the past week. Okay, let me but, but let me back him and set this up. So all the serial stories, I write the episode the week before. So normally I'm recording, the episode comes out on a Thursday. And ideally the night it's coming out, now it's Thursday and Friday or Thursday or Friday. I'll record the next week's episode, and like I, I, I'm trying to find now that we don't have the sleep show and Game of Thrones is off because those Game of Thrones episodes take like three days to record. Uh, so now that that it's like I can record like the opening and the housekeeping on Thursday night, and then the episode on Friday nights. Uh, hence where we are now, October thirtieth. Um, but so tomorrow, so it's Friday night now. So tomorrow morning. The first thing I do on Saturday and Sunday morning is write, and I write for 30 minutes uh, every day of the week on the episode uh, for the prior Thursday or Friday or the next Thursday or Friday. And I found that that's about how much time I have uh, open every week. Maybe Maybe during the weekdays I get in 45 minutes. But realistically, if I can focus for 30 minutes or... 20 of those 30 minutes, but spent 30 minutes, you know, saying I'm writing and only writing for 20. Uh, if I do that for seven days, I don't feel totally humiliated. I feel like, okay, I feel comfortable performing that. So I say, okay, I have enough here to do the show and feel confident that it's going to be good. And proud, I say, well, geez, you really followed through this week. And you'll, you'll learn a lot. Maybe you'll learn a lot. But you, and also, I really stepped in out of my comfort zone and tried to break the story for the week. And either broke uh, and, and it came together or it didn't come together. But I, I tried for seven days with a little consistent effort every day. And the story just didn't break the way I wanted it to. But I made the most of what what did break. And when I say breaking story, I don't know. That just means something. It means like trying to figure out the story. And and that's what we're going to here in the total, you know, as we get into the kitchen here and the grinder and stuff. But so today's Friday, and today was the last writing day for what I'm going to talk about tonight. So starting last Saturday, like last Friday night, I recorded the last episode of Lady Witchbeard. And then Friday morning I woke up and I said, okay, let's get right to work on this next thing. Now, the problem is I wasn't writing an episode. I'm trying to figure out an entire, uh, what looks like it'll be five episodes. And here's where we get into spoiler territory. So if anybody's awake, uh, there's really no way for me to temper the spoilers except for the how the series is going to end. Uh, even though I have a general idea of that, I'll try not to spoil that. But So if you're sensitive to spoilers, you probably want to go to another episode. Or if you're awake, you know, and you're sensitive to spoilers. But so where is, the, like, the series, where do all the series start, right? Like, Scooter, what, what, like, what makes you want to do a story? And that, that's an interesting question, and I have three great examples. This series, Lady Witchbeard and Gepesos. Or, you know, we could you could ask me about After the Glass Slipper. That's a good story, too. But so Gepesos, that was, like, two years ago. And I remember it was before the Christmas season, 
And people were talking, like in downtown Oakland, there's a Sears, and now it's no longer a Sears. It's closed, but it just closed in the last year. And I remember waiting for a bus there, and, and a couple of other buildings in downtown Oakland are these old, and they're restored now, or one of them is, just these beautiful old uh emporiums or department stores. And I remember two Christmases ago, at some point looking at a blog somewhere, and they had pictures from inside of JCPenney. And it was just depressing pictures of, like, an abandoned photo studio. The store was still open. And just and I just started to imagine, I said, what are these founders doing? And I was thinking of the Sears and the JCPenney. I was like, they're, you know, when they're looking at the way, the the downfall of what they built up and American shopping habits and all that. And it just got me, and then it started making me think about Amazon. And then I thought about these proud men that built these companies. And then I said, well, what if they were out to get Jeff Bezos? And once I thought of that, I could not let hold of that idea. And then I thought, okay, what if it's – and I said, who were who some of these guys? And I researched it a little bit. And I said, okay, you got Sears and Penny. And then I said – then I couldn't let the idea – I said, okay, this is a story that has to be told or I have to at least look into it. So let's get Bezos. Uh, Superdoll's a little more complicated, so if you want to talk about that, you can ask me about that one, too. And then Lady Witchbird, it was very similar, where I was more thinking about uh, a lady, a witch, who was a pirate, and that's why I told that story that became the basis for Lady Witchbeard. So I had had the idea for Lady Witchbeard, a witch pirate, and I was walking around, uh, maybe this was two Halloweens ago, too, Maybe last Halloween, but I said, you know, I'm Lady Witchbeard. He he he. I'm a witch pirate. I just had fun doing that. And he said, oh, and then it was again. Uh, late. And then I did the one story about Lady Witchbeard, but I couldn't forget about her. I said, man, she, that's a character. She needs a story, like, uh, her story has to be told. And eventually, and, and I said, well, this, maybe this series wasn't her story being told. It ended up being more about germ, but uh, she's still there, and she, you know, one day hopefully we'll return to her. Because I said, man, I love this idea of a, a witch who decided to become a pirate. I don't know. So that was more of an idea of something a little bit different. And then this uh, this one coming up is based on an episode from last season. Right, right around Christmas time, and it was the Cold War on Christmas. It was called, or and it was about a lost Christmas special. And at the conclusion, I said that uh, this woman, Roberta, Roberta, a scientist named Roberta, uh, was going to take over for Santa Claus. And believe it, or not, I was re-listening the episode today for the first time, and I still haven't finished the episode. And like, so I'm still not even positive how the episode ends. But I do know that this the, the, she was going to become Roberta Claus, so it would be the first Christmas that Santa Claus was a woman. And I, and as soon as, again, I said, well, when next Christmas rolls around, we have to explore this idea. This is incredibly interesting to me. And what would happen? What is Roberta Claus like? What would be, you know, how would the society, you know? So that's what the story we're going to be telling over the next five weeks between Thanksgiving and Christmas is 
about Roberta Claus and Christmas. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through my notes here that I've written and just maybe comment on them uh, to see where we're at. And, and so there will be spoilers, but you'll get an idea, and I'll talk about it as I go through my notes. It won't be perfect, but uh, you'll get a sense for what I mean when I say when I'm trying to figure out these stories. All right, so we'll just run through some of these notes here. I'm not sure. I guess this is where I started. So the first note I have is Roberta Claus gone away. So I was like, okay, is she... Well, let's read the rest of the page. Okay, we have to bring her back, question mark. Does she feel rejected? And then there's just do. So I was like, okay, is, does it start off with Roberta Claus and not... Has she become Santa... And then something happened, and she's not at the North Pole. She's not saying anymore. And then I can't read it. said, okay, spackle something in the science that saved Christmas, five or six, epi- five or six episodes. And I don't know what that says. This was like a week ago. And then what is con- what is the conflict? Is it uh, So one of the conflicts is it being rejected by societies or haters? Or is that too obvious? And then there's something down here that it says a Christmas-related problem, Christmas without Claus. And this is like the thing that's important to me and that where I'm still learning and learning how to make it a sleep podcast is that, especially with making stories up, is it comes down to the conflict. And that's the hardest part, And what, but what also drives the story, it drives the character's uh, so it's a, and, and then it's like, okay, what are the different kinds of conflict? And most of the time, if I can find my way to rehashing that out every time, okay, this isn't working or, or I don't know where to go next. Okay. What is the conflict? What's at stake? Who wants what? Who? So, so that'll come up a lot. So that's one page of notes there. And then the next thing says, people say we already do all the work, we buy the presents, Santa doesn't even exist, or who needs Santa when we, you know, we already have uh, faith or belief systems or God. And so this is, I guess, the societal conflict. I was talking about various forces combined to abandon Santa Claus, double question mark. Okay, okay, so then it's like, okay, Scooter. This is my mindset. I'm like, okay. But then I say, well, is that conflict? Because then it's like, okay, what is the problem for the world? Like, okay, that's stuff that's happening. But is that going to drive the story? Because a lot of times what's good about it is, okay, what's boring? Well, what what happened before? Or like they call that exposition or backstory. It's like, okay, what happened to lead to this story? So a lot of this right now is in the backstory. What happened that led up to the story that we're going to tell. And this is like, okay, this is me trying to explore it. But I have to also, with a deadline, be like, okay, let's not go too far down this imagine because it can be, you know, then you have to, I have to look at myself, am I just trying to find some certainty? Like, am I going too far down this rabbit hole of setting up the world so that I feel comfortable or I feel like I'm getting work done? Because it's a little bit easier to say, okay, what's called, you know, what happened before the story? 
because it's scary trying to figure out the story. Uh, so then it comes to the next question. If the world chases away Roberta Claus and they stop believing in Santa, what happens? Question mark. And for me, a lot of it is asking questions constantly, and maybe there's never an answer. But it, it says, uh, but then it helps me find the next question. And I, again, I don't know if this is a... This is just the process I go through. This isn't a system or anything or an example. And, let, you know, obviously, uh, you know, but, but this is just what goes through my mind. Uh, but then I said, but we, in quotes, already use the passing of Santa to, to, to teach kids about grief. So that was like an idea. I said, I said it's like, and I really developed that idea, so I'm trying to remember but he said, okay, was there, did Santa pass away and that's what it happened, why Roberta Claus took over or what they told the world? I mean, because obviously you're going to have to explain it to kids. And I guess that makes sense now. I'm thinking, okay, that does, I believe that. Like, uh, because how did they introduce Roberta Claus to the world? And I say, okay, we had this grieving period where we taught kids, okay, Santa passed away. And let's all go through these stages of grief for Santa. That's a teachable moment. Uh, but also, if you're replacing Santa, especially with not an exact duplicate, you have to, there's some legwork there. Okay, now we get into some plot points here. Maybe. Star, I have a star. And then it says, because I was trying to find what, okay, what's the, what's the, what's against Roberta Claus other than society? You know, what, what, what would drive Roberta Claus to act? If she's been pushed out by the world, what's going to bring her back, you know? And what's going to put Santa, the Christmas at thread? And, you know, so here's the, it says, is there some, quote, secret Santa uh, that's running through childhood circles, like kind of like uh, Bloody Mary? Is it some kind of genius or villain? And then, of course, and that's a double question mark. Then, what does Secret Santa want? That's another good question. Uh, then, what is the threat? Question mark. Why does Roberta Claus want to come back? Question mark. Okay, so this next page is pretty packed. So, and I haven't reread it. So, the next page, and sometimes this is what I do. I say, okay, let's start plotting out. Let's come up with it. So, this says timeline. Last Christmas, Santa passes away. News leaks out somehow in January. Government makes February announcement, uh, which also ruins Valentine's Day. For the next month, the Earth mourns the loss of Santa. But we also have cameras and updates that all is going well at the North Pole. Kids learn about loss. Society is pleased, double question mark. Uh, at, at some time, kids are getting secret messages from Santa, question mark. So this is a secret Santa. Uh, then it's early summer or spring. Roberta Claus is introduced to the world. It's a disaster. Mob mentality. Uh, maybe some light humor. And then some bullying and some misogyny. Is that what that says? Light humor into bullying misogyny? Holy mackerel. That's, uh... Okay, and then the next question. How does the world see Roberta Claus's announcement? As uh, their anti-liberal conspiracy, they feel like it's anti-religious. Are there secret agendas? Is it about consumerism? Is there even more, more than one thing? And then uh, this, I'm not sure exactly what it means. Santa Claus was an icon for a different time, and now they, in quotes, use it against us. 
So is that someone from the conspiracy speaking there? I don't know. That one I'd have to wait and see what sneaks sinks in. Uh, then I have a little symbol after this. It's a double hash mark or a double, like, I think you're supposed to do this when you, uh, uh, you start a new paragraph. I don't know. It's like two li- parallel lines. But for me, that means, okay, this is whatever comes next has nothing to do with what came before it. And it's a little note to myself because a lot of times I'm reading this days after, like now, and I don't remember. Okay, double hash mark or whatever. Uh, was there mass bullyings or burying's and altars of Santa. Oh yeah, mass burying's and altars of Santa in summer uh, when he died with milk and cookies, etc. And then another double hash mark to close that out. Okay, then we go back to the bullying and the misogyny. Uh, none of this breaks Roberta Claus. What makes her go into isolation is some militia groups uh, bullying. And then I got to go to the next page. Oh no, it looks like. I think it was, oh yeah, who start to go into places, uh, go after elves, take elves, uh, go after reindeer across the world. Well, that's terrible. These people are terrible in this story I'm making, uh, society. And again, this is not set in stone. This is me. This is how I'm. And the terrifying thing about this for me is that, okay, this is just me trying to lay the groundwork for a story that for me, I have to record episode one next week. Like, you won't hear it because it'll probably come out on Thanksgiving, but uh, I want to take two weeks off so they can have a two-week cushion. Uh, that just, I think it gives me more time for accidents or from anything comes up. But Okay, so she announces Christmas will go on without her. World decides that maybe it is no longer needed. And we have Christmas under control. So I think that means it means Santa. And other groups have their own agendas. Uh, then I changed pens because it's a different color ink here. Uh, some, in some sense, Roberta Claus might unite or bring together all this, all these disparate factions. And you can see here, this goes into another point, but how I've, I've kind of lost my way. I'm a little, I, I'm thinking, if I'm critiquing my own notes, and I was sitting with myself, as hey, hey, and I guess this, this it has to be done. Is like, okay, I need some foundation to work with, which we'll talk about Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street, maybe if I remember. But uh, you know, so I'm, I'm nervous here. I can see that I'm I'm, I'm going out and putting my effort into something uh, that happens, but that's I don't know if I'm. I guess I'm working on building up my confidence here instead of uh, breaking the story. I'm I'm doing a little bit, maybe too much work, but I'm like, oh, am I thinking here, though? I can see it as like, okay, if I can understand all this, it'll help me write the story better. And I don't know if that's necessarily true or not. And this this makes it interesting, you know, going through it. Okay, so back to where we were. Like a religious anti-consumer... And then total consumer sales groups, service and environmental groups. Uh, Christmas is fractured into some subgroups. But I can see how the fall of Roberta Claus could help these groups say, okay, well, this is the time to give up on Christmas if you're an environmental group and say, let's do some service for other people. 
And then for a religious group, it might be, okay, let's return to our religious roots instead of praising Santa and, and presents. Or just anti-consumer, you know, say, well, now it's time for simple living and, and time for family instead of spending. You know, you know, let's get outside and do something. So maybe there is this good side, uh, you know, not a good thing that Roberta Claus was bullied I don't know, this is just the ideas I'm playing with. And then the consumerism would be like, well, there's no free presents now, so all the you got to buy all your presents, so that's good for business. And this is all based on the fact, you know, I stated in last year, saying is real, which I know some people might be in denial about, but, you know, that hopefully that's another thing that comes out of this discussion of facts here. Is that you know we're all, we're basing all this on the fact that Santa Claus and now Roberta Claus are real, and I'm trying to raise a story from that. You know that this is a okay. Anyway, uh, how does evil plan factor in, and and how does that fact affect the story? This is a good question. I have no idea. Uh, so let's keep going. What does Secret Santa want? Does he want children to live in fear? Uh, to on paint, uh, to on point, uh, I don't know what that means. How to make that more subtle without being, uh, like a Monsters Inc. type movie, you know, where power, you know, we don't want children's fear to power. Clearly, that's too Monsters Inc. But also, like another version of it, oh, this, uh, Secret Santa's a villain that just wants children to be afraid. That feels not subtle enough for me. You know, I'm like, okay, I want something more story-based or something else. That's not good enough for me. And then, I, so then I'm still exploring it. And this next page, does he want children to behave? Is it some sort of devil character? And then I immediately say, no devil, something more evil. Uh, and then it, this gets a little darker. Does it, is he taking children's souls? Or is that too scary? Question mark, question mark. You're probably right. It's probably too scary. Uh, and then the next set of thoughts, or is it just an uncontrolled child belief system that has unintended consequences? I say, okay, I don't know what that means, Scoots, but maybe. And then when we get down to the rubber meeting, we say, okay, to make it a real crisis, every letter of crisis is capitalized except for the I's because my capital I's aren't very good. But they say, hey, Scooter, pay attention to the crisis. It would have to be a plan hatched Christmas Eve. And you think I mean launched Christmas Eve, not hatched, uh, to use Secret Santa to launch an attack. So it would have to culminate on Christmas Eve if it's a real crisis situation. And then the next thing is, okay, well, could it be an unknown threat? No one knows what Secret Santa is or really wants. And they say, okay. So maybe we don't have to go that far in the past and understand everything. Maybe we could say there's a secret Santa that children are kind of talking about in their own children's circles away from the adults. Like, so children have been told uh, Santa died, Roberta Claus replaced her. Well, no, and then the parents after, they say, well, we don't believe in Roberta Claus. And the children would be like, well, I thought she took over Santa when he passed away. Oh, no, no, that was just on the news, but we don't believe it. And so my idea is, okay, with with that vacuum 
and then Roberta Class, whatever relents because the abuse gets so so heavy that she says, "Okay, what's best for the children is me to, to to withdraw." But then my thought is, in the absence of the belief system in Santa Claus, in this case Roberta Claus, the children create their own belief system, or do they, or does a force say? Like where kids are meeting, you know, in little circles saying, okay, this is how you contact Secret Santa. And did you make your list? There could be a whole mythology to it where the kids are saying, okay, did you write your list for Secret Santa? And it would, I mean, this would not be in the story. This would be the mythology. And, the, the, you know, oh, did you, uh, you know, tap your shoe twice so Secret Santa knows you're waiting? And this would be something that would be secret from the adults and the adults. And then it would suddenly be like, what are all these kids believe in the Secret Santa? And it would be, so it would create this dynamic, a natural dynamic in some sense. And the absence of, uh, in the vacuum of Santa Claus, uh, maybe some families say, hey, let's believe in family. Let's believe in uh, God. But some kids might be like, well, I want to believe in Santa still, so I'll take this secret Santa. Uh, and here's where we get into it. Uh, so could it be an unknown threat? No one knows what secret Santa really wants, but he is drawing his power from the belief of children and joy, just like the real Santa. So even if this uh, secret Santa is evil or bad or something, uh, the triggering of the joy of participating in the Christmas ritual is what powers him. So then we're kind of back to the Monsters, Inc. thing, but in some more, uh, a little bit different way, maybe. Okay, this would draw of of adult fears of the unknown and of children in secret uh, communities or communes or something with dark, oh, yeah, with secret communication Something C-O-M-M, and then it trails off my writing uh, with dark unknown forces. Uh, also, is drawing on children's unknown fears, and then I, I didn't. This could oh, this could be a theory that drives Roberta's charge on the night of the Bellsnickels or something. So I'm going. I, I just went way far afield to try to understand, but that would drive. This is a little more important. Understanding the secret Santa. If this is what's going to drive some of the conflict, is this is this oppositional figure to Roberta Claus, and then that would add a nice conflict if society is also in conflict with Roberta Claus. Roberta Claus has her own feelings about society now. And she has her duty to Christmas and her love of children, which would be the most important thing. And then children have their need to believe in something. And these two things vying for, for, for their beliefs or three things. And then everybody has these little secret fears. So these would be the ideas behind it. So then the Night of the Bell Snickles or something... Uh, children across the world, does something happen like between Thanksgiving and Christmas or is there spankings or something? I don't know. I don't have a clear idea. And then again, I say, again, is this too scary? Question mark, question mark. And I did sanitize even my notes there. And then, of course, then this is like spoiler, so I'll avoid it. But this was okay. So I say, okay, I'm a little lost here. When I, the next day I'm in a different color pen, so I know I sat down. I said, 
Okay, we're a little lost here. How is this all going to end, Scoots? Because uh, I'm not sure of the days, but I'm guaranteeing this was either uh, Wednesday or Thursday. So I said, okay, pressure's on. You know, we've got to start writing episode one in a couple of days. And we've got to explain this to the audience. So how's it end? And I said, well, of course, Christmas has got to be saved somehow, because uh, clearly I'm not going to write a story. You know, I'm not going to totally ruin Christmas. Uh, but then I put but, capital B, capital U, capital T. First, I put B-U-T-T by accident, not even on purpose to be funny. I scratched that, I put B-U-T. Uh, but, okay, could the end also include some sort of anti-shame thing? And then I'll try to avoid spoilers after that. Okay, let me see, though. This, like, Roberta Gloss recreates the joy of Christmas terror. That's in quotes. Like, Roberta Gloss would say that or something. And then I talk about some specific stuff. Then there's two stars. And I talk about this idea that I said, okay, this was like I was, like, writing very fast. I said, okay, this works for the ending. And then I said, now that I'm rereading, I'm saying, okay, well, okay, that makes sense. But this is, again, more, uh, I said, now that I'm rereading, I'm saying this is good. But it's still more of an explanation than an actual activity. But it says, Roberta flips the script about something and something related to helping children and helping other parties. And then it becomes this, it changes Christmas to something even better. So then I said, okay, it just doesn't, you can't just save Christmas. So this becomes a, a new uh, part of the Christmas tradition, or maybe even something more, where children and maybe some other parties benefit. And maybe it changes behavior uh, and incorporates some of the other things in the story and relieves children, uh, goes with these other tradition, Christmas traditions, uh, connects to other things. And then it says, like, even Roberta Colossus' sack will help carry the weight of some, some stuff, take it to the North Pole. And, and then also, okay, how do we resolve Roberta Colossus and close-minded people that rejected her? And... What, she'll, what will she do with their hate and their shaming of her uh, since they're adults? And then this was uh, yesterday, and maybe, okay, so I said, okay, right, now we're under, yeah, this was yesterday, because I said, okay, full pressure here. And I looked at the calendar and said, okay, this is going to be five episodes, it looks like. And so I said, okay, okay, what are the episodes? Like, okay, so now we have our ending and we have our beginning. Okay, where does it where does it open? And he said, "Okay, does it open with Roberta's? Or no, Roberta, and why?" And then I say, "But okay." And then I have notes here. I can barely. Could this? Why would this work? Would this work? And what was going to be best to unify? You know, how's Christmas going down? And how do we tell the past stuff about the past year? And then, okay, episode two, is that when Secret Santa problem develops or not? And then I, then I had later notes. I said it has to be a problem by then for sure. 
maybe even at the end of the first episode or the beginning of the second, uh, since we, uh, you know, say, okay, there's only five episodes, so we don't have a lot of time, but I also don't have time to figure out all the story, so it's all, this is scary parts. And I say, okay, well, okay, so like all these stories, the beginning, middle, and end, in the middle should usually have, you know, okay, let's do this. Oh, no, that went wrong. Oh, this was unexpected. New unexpected problem. How do we solve that? Oh, we solved. Oh, no, there's now there's a new, you know, and it can be, and that's where you see uh, some weakness in, in my stories is, uh, but, but, but if it was outside of putting people to sleep context to say, okay, when you don't have time to rewrite stories and develop them properly, the middle is where things can be a little gelatinous. And in some sense, like that's when you put people to sleep. And, and, and that's a, I do have, I don't have any outline or structure I definitely follow, but I like to have a big middle is what I call it. So even every episode I say I try to do it like a three-act structure, more or less, which isn't that complicated, beginning, a middle, and an end. And the middle's longer than the beginning or the end normally. And usually there's a couple twists and turns in, in the middle. Obviously you don't go, uh, kid buys a popsicle, kid eats a popsicle. Like you say, that's even more boring than your podcast, Scooter. What happened in the middle? He unwrapped the popsicle. Then he ate the popsicle. You know, I would say, okay, kid drops a popsicle. If it, or kid buys a popsicle. Kid drops a popsicle. Then if it's my story, it'd be the big. So that would be the first conflict. In a good story, immediately he would react to that. And my story would say, well, let me count. Let me watch this thing melt. And then I might talk. The big middle would be, I'll talk about my relationship with the popsicles. And I'll say, popsicle sticks. And then the kid maybe will make a house out of popsicle sticks. And then it'll be like Charles Webb, and then tons of people will come in the store. And then the store man will pay him a, a popsicle a day. But then, it'll, you know, then another, then just like in every story, another twist will happen. And say, okay, he gets, you know, framed, or he's going for, you know, popsicle stick house builder of the year, and his best house gets stolen. But then, of course, I would describe the house in too much detail. So that would be the big middle. And it's not always like just one big middle. But when I first started doing a show, at some point within like 8 to eight, eight to 12 months, I said, okay. So it's just a three-act structure, but with a, normally with a big middle. That's what I, I don't know what else they call it. Like a act to where they say, you know, if you're writing a book or a movie or a video game, or even a poem, you say, okay, well, like, you know, we'll try not to do too much world building, too much exposition, too much talking, too much backstory, where I more have a luxury to do that, as long as they're doing it in the right way. And that's my way of talking around. So episode three, I still don't know. I'm like, oh boy, I don't know what, even what to do for episode three, and we'll have to see how one and two play out. But I am aware at some point, by the end of episode three, if not the middle of it, we need a midpoint of the story where something serious has to happen, uh, where Roberta Kloss, either I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to get her in the story committed 
but then say, you know, because she has to come in. And I'm like, okay, how can we get Roberta Claus back? But then is she fully back? Is it too late at episode three to have her fully invested? Or is that the right time? Because but episode three has to have, or I would like it to have, something to say, okay, I didn't think that was going to happen. And I have an idea. I had a couple ideas that I'm not going to say. But I said, I have that idea written here. I said, okay, is this the midpoint crisis here or whatever? I don't know what, if it's a crisis. Uh, this one would be an unexpected, a serious problem where Roberta Claus would be like, whoa, geez, I didn't say, you know, this is not ideal. And what the hell am I going to do now? Because then Roberta Claus really has to save Christmas. Or can she, you know? And then episode four... They say, okay, okay, now she's dealing with that, and then she's overcome it. Oh, and then this happened, or is that the result of her fixing that problem or a new problem? And then again, and this is where, you know, you get into maybe where I'm still improving as a storyteller. Okay, how many more things do we need, Scoots? And this is where I tend to overdo it. Okay, so she had a midpoint thing, and then is there another problem? And then she fixes that, and then it's Christmas, and Christmas is saved, but then there's one more problem after that, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. Or do we just need two, you know, we just need the midpoint, you know, the problems leading up to that, but the midpoint would be a big one. And then you have, you know, another one that's maybe the climax. I don't know, the midpoint crisis is kind of good, so I don't have the next crisis. I mean, I have an idea of it. But, and then it's like, okay, so it's not just about saving Christmas or something else that she's got to do. And that, and then that results in the solution that makes it better than saving Christmas. Uh, so, so that was, that was those notes. And this is, that's pretty much the end of the notes. And they talk about, uh, uh, who's in this? Is it going to be Mrs. Cross? Is it Claus? Is it going to be Speckle, the elf, and Present Drops? Are they going to be in this story? Is Rupert from Ruprecht from uh, the first first holiday episodes I did going to be in it? And that's the end of my notes. But I said, okay, Miracle on 34th Street is the other thing. I've never seen that movie. I've seen clips from it. I've probably been in the room when the movie's been on. But I've never watched that movie. And so uh, sometimes that's another thing, or that's something I did, at least at the beginning of uh, Lady Witchbeard. I didn't see it all the way through. But with Lady Witchbeard, it was like, okay, I'm trying to write this story and structure the story. And it's kind of hard when you're doing it as you're telling it, you know, trying to maintain the overall structure you know, as you're going forward, it's like trying to put the train tracks down and you're driving the train and the train's moving. But as I said, this that might be what's best for this podcast, and that's the reality of what we have right now. So then with Lady Witchbeard, I said, okay, well, how can I do that? And then, you know, the idea of the, the conflict of that story came up. Oh, Lady Witchbeard is the here's the song Cortez the Killer. And that was it came up first when I said, oh, okay, the lyrics of Cortez the Killer can kind of help me navigate, oh, what's going to be next in this story? And I said, okay, is there any movies or books that are like Lady Witchbeard? And for a while, I must have watched the movie Jaws about 25 times. 
uh, leading up to and during uh, the first couple weeks of Lady Witchbeard, at least the first hour and 15 minutes of Jaws. And so I really relied on that. I said, okay, how did that story go? And while stories are, there's a lot of different things that are different, but then, I don't know, there were things that were similar and things you might not think were similar, but these points in Jaws you might have forgot about. But there are things like the unrelenting nature of, and then Brody and Germ kind of seemed like they ended up being a little bit connected. And then even helping me, like, well, whose Jaws? Is Cortez Jaws or is Lady Witchbeard Jaws? And then it was like uh, Alex Kittner's Mrs. Kittner was a, uh, that, that was kind of a, a, a point when you watch Jaws or you think about Jaws and you don't watch it. There's like when you meet Quint and then when you meet Mrs. Kittner and she, she has this emotional impact on uh, Brody for, you know, not doing his job. And when you meet Quint and he kind of, those are things, it just helped me give me a little bit more confidence and a little bit more like, okay, can I, can I take anything I've learned from watching this? And say, okay, well, and I know I can't actually directly give an example, but it more gave me something to strive for, actually. I say, geez, could I have anything that with one ounce of that meeting where Quint's sitting in the background and he scratches a chalkboard? I don't think I did, but when Miss Kittner tells Chief Brody how disappointed she is, and I said, no, but I could strive for that. So in this situation, I'm saying, okay, this is a lot about belief and stuff. And what I know about, what I thought I knew about 34th Street is wrong because then I read the Wikipedia page about it. But I don't know if I'll be able to find the time to watch that while we do this. But that's another thing. If I can find that, that'll give me another thing. I say, okay, well, how'd they do the first a quarter of their story or whatever, you know, watch it once or twice and start rewatching it a piece at a time and say, well, this was a successful, beloved film. Uh, not how can I copy the structure of the film, but more, okay, what were the turning points there? What were the emotional, what, what were the, uh, what other conflicts can I notice? Uh, what, what were the other relationships? What were the interpersonal conflicts? Cause for me, I'm like, okay, what is the main conflict? Who wants what, or who's, what's the danger? Or, you know, that's uh, when I, when I'm like, just lost, I say, okay, that's the story conflict. And then I say, okay, well, what's the interpersonal conflict? Who's having a problem with who? Is that different than the story conflict? Is that another layer of conflict? Oh, that person doesn't like that person. Oh, you got Brody, and then you got Quint, and then you have, uh, you know, the the mayor, and then you have Dreyfus. I mean, Brody and the mayor, that was a great uh, interpersonal conflict. And and then you say, okay, there's those, and then there's, okay, what are the internal conflicts for the main character or the other characters? And you say, okay, Chief Brody's afraid of water. Okay, Chief Brody is afraid to say no and stand up for himself and trust his gut. Uh, Chief Brody, you know, he backs down a little bit too much, and he, he's an outsider, 
about trying to be an authority. Okay, so those are the internal, some of the internal conflicts. Uh, Chief Brody loves his family, you know. And that's kind of where Germ, I mean, that was a bit part of the thing, of, like with Germ and his daughter. I said, geez, what is this? What is Germ's internal conflict? And then actually Lady Witchbeard's kind of changed because it was like, what was hers? And at first I thought that, uh, I thought she had some personal things that I don't want to disclose to change anybody's, you know, version of the story. But I said, oh, yeah, I don't know if that works or it's too on the nose or not subtle enough. And I said, okay, well, no, she's on a mission to save magic. And, you know, she's she's a, a full-on witch and she's there to save. Okay, that's an internal conflict, not failing at her mission. I mean, maybe. It's also it's a story conflict a little bit, too. I mean, these aren't set in stone. These are just ideas I have or little tools in my toolkit. But don't try to write a story my way. You know, you'll find your own way in the story swamp or the story attic or wherever. Uh, but that's like how I would, if I can find the time to watch Miracle on 34th Street about 34 times. Between, you know, at least three times, yeah, or once between now and next week. But I don't know if that'll happen, so we'll see. So, But but that would give me a little extra confidence and a little bit extra. i say, okay, well, how did they do it or what happened? So I'll see. So that's a little bit about how the sausage is made, I don't think. I mean, I think this was successfully... uh, Boring. I mean, some of you are like, oh, yeah, I like storytelling and stuff. And I thought I was going to learn something. It turns out I learned Scooter's, uh, yeah, he really goes to the story swamp. Uh, But for me, it's about learning how to tell stories and saying, geez, okay, I'm not there with the conflict in the middle and stuff. But I guess that's, uh, you know, good because be like, okay, I'd have to borify that anyway. And for me, a lot of it is saying, okay, this, 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 and then asking questions. Well, geez, why would I, why would that person do that? Well, what would, you know, this isn't enough. I mean, sometimes you see that in a stereotypical, like, oh, tell me about your story. Okay, what happens then? I don't buy, you know, where someone, but it is like, uh, I think there is another sense of it that is meta or whatever about, uh, Wondering what my motivations are and saying, oh, am I just trying to feel safe? Am I doing what's best for the story or am I trying to feel safe here? And I'm scared of going into the story and failing and figuring out what the conflict is or figuring out how the episode's going to unfold and I'm putting more work into uh, character backstory or uh, – what happened, you know, or the philosophies that led to this, or not? Maybe I'll turn out in a, you know ten episodes. I'll be like, no, no, that was necessary. Yeah, uh, but it it all comes down to, for me at least, right now, writing every day, and uh, finding that time, and saying, okay, this isn't going to be as hard as one part of my brain says. Oh no, this is going to be so hard. Oh, this is going to go. So, it's okay. It's just 30 minutes. We all know how fast 30 minutes can go by screwing around on the Internet. And when you're writing, especially on a Saturday or Sunday morning, it can feel like forever, but it really isn't. And it really pays off for me. And I think it's like developing a new pathway or whatever brain plasticity 
and it, it helps you guys sleep. It, it, and as I said, like with Lady Witchbeard, and now I'm convinced of this, is the more work that I have of it, one, if I was going to put any work in the podcast, it would be writing these stories. I would abandon everything else and do, like I would abandon the TV show episodes way before I would abandon writing serial stories because that's the, challenge, the most challenging thing, and it's the thing that I, uh, is the hardest, and it's the thing that stretches me the most. And it's the thing I've always, I've always wanted to tell stories and make stories and not just make them up on the spot. That's great and fun. And I get so much gold out of there in unexpected storytelling. But there's some about this other layer of more difficult uh, exploring of stories uh, that for me, I wouldn't say it's the, it's the most painful. Well, the Thursday, Tuesday episodes are painful too in a different way. It is like it takes some rigor and difficulty. It's not easy, and not necessarily. I don't. I don't know. It's something I say. Well, this is what the little kid in me dreamed about doing: was writing stories like this, and now I'm kind of doing it. I think I had a point in there unrelated to that, though. I don't know. I mean, this is an important part of the podcast for me of uh, of doing this and saying. Uh, and then, oh, yeah, that the, the more I put into the stories and the more structured they are, like, so let's say, let's say I write for a constant, like a focus 30 minutes for seven days between now and next Friday. Uh, when I sit down behind the mic on Friday to record the episode, I'll have way more confidence if I say, okay, I know exactly the beginning the end and like these different points in between because usually I have uh, if we have more time but similar like uh, okay there's five episodes uh, there might be five points within an episode and if I have an idea what those are and then I say okay and I have an idea what's happening in each of those five points and the conflict and it doesn't have to be perfect or amazing but I have so much more confidence and flexibility to go on tangents, to slow down, and to be lulling, soothing. Say, oh, what would Cortez, you know, how would Cortez lead a group of people? Or what would it go, you know, how would I get a go, you know, stuff like that where I said, okay, it's weird, and this is how counterintuitive creating this podcast is, because I would have never thought it. Uh, but the more written the stories are, and the better, you know, maybe not the better written they are, but the better outlined and rewritten they are. Like if I'm re like if I get an outline by like a Tuesday, and I say, okay, now I have my five or six ideas for the episode of how it's. Uh, unfolds and they spend the next few days oh no that doesn't work okay what would germ, you know what would germ say okay what's uh, marina gonna say and then i keep refining that and, and redoing it the more lonely i can't i mean i don't i don't know so and stories really are a magical thing and i'm not saying i'm doing any magic or i kind of was you know pretty straightforward to how this works for me but the stories in themselves are one of the things, you know, that's why we go to the movies or watch TV or read books and, and why I adore so many different 
uh, podcasts, movies, TV shows, writers. Uh, is, it is some sort of uh, food for for me and for a lot of us, all right? So uh, thank, thanks for listening, all right? Good night. All right, I want to thank and say good night to everybody. Good night, Melanie. Good night, Sophia. Good night, Sophie, too. Uh, good night, Elise. Good night, Alexandra. Good night, Ben. Good night, James. Good night, Tabitha. Good night, Camille. Good night, Richard. Uh, good night, Vatten. Good night. Uh, good night, Jane. Good night, Goat Goddess. Good night, Jennifer and Jason S. Good night, Adam P. Good night, Kyla. Kayla. Good night, Kayla. That sounds Jackie. Good night. The Bug. Good night. Sally, Sally Ann. Good night. Tara. Tara. Thank you for that song. Good night. Sammy M. Good night, Ingrid. Good night. Ricky G. Good night. Jessica, good night. Ben M. Welcome and good night. Mary, good night. Happy Mom, good night. Martina, good night. Good night, Nancy. Good night, Tabitha. Good night, Joel. Amy, good night. Rachel B., good night. Brian, good night. Jackie L., good night. Good night, Dana. Good night, Ahab's wife. Carrie, good night. Jennifer B., good night. Good night, Laura. Good night, Diana and Deanna. Lida, good night, and Mel, good night. And then uh, good night from uh, CO Commuter, the only podcast they listen to night after night. Good night to Jonic Chronic, who came, surprised they came across someone interesting and boring at the same time. What a talent. A million different tangents. Thank you so much, Jonic, or Yannick, maybe. Uh, what did I just listen to from Gaming Noise? Thank you. Listening to the Paper, paper Towel Crisis, Bathroom Gnomes, High Cocoa Drawers. Oh, that's so cute. Thank you, Gaming Noise. Oh, Ziggy Zandy says this is pure genius, and they just found it on BuzzFeed. Thank you so much, Ziggy Zandy. That's a, that's a beautiful Ziggy Zandy. I want to thank Anna Ikapika. Anna Ikapika who says that we rock and Game of Thrones puts on a copycat to sleep. Uglies, mom, holy. What kind of mom says that? I love it. Oh, funny. I uh, loves the podcast. Chewy156, Chewbacca, when Chewbacca's brain bot says it, just thank you. Uh, more alliteration coming in from Katie Coco, who doesn't know if it's working and then falls asleep. Goofy, meandering, and kind. Oh, thank you, Katie. Uh, resist, resist impulse. Resist impulse. I like that. Very, you're very restrained. Resist impulse. Reverse in, in resist and not reverse impulse. Resist. Thank you. And if they no longer need ASMR videos, hidden professionalism. Thank you so much. Drone with an in, oh, done with an intent, but it's intentional droning. To put the listener to sleep. Clever host. Wow, thank you. And genuine now. Thank you to resist impulse. I won't resist my impulse to say thanks. Uh, Tippy Tuna. Oh, oh boy, drunk tuna fish here. Tippy Tuna, insomniac approved. And they've tried it all. Thank you, Tippy Tuna. You know, be careful when you're, you know, the seasonal place to be drunk, they say. Uh, tops, 
Marpops, tops, marops, tops, maroops, uh, toops, maroops, maybe toops, maroops. Yeah, I think that's it. Toops, toops, maroops. Thank you. Off to sleep we go. Hi ho, hi ho. Thank you. Lauren uh, says, uh, sleep within 10 minutes. Thank you, Lauren. Raceland arrested. Oh, boy. Now there's a real listener or somebody I know, but I think it's uh, a real listener because they said insomnia since childhood. Raceland or wrestling. That was one of the confusing moments in my life, having dyslexia. And I still know the proper pronunciation of Raceland or Raslin. I think it's Raceland, and I had read those books maybe twice each, uh, the whole series, these Dragonlance D&D books. And uh, then someone said, oh, it's Raceland. And I said, in Cameroon or Cameroon, I don't know. And I said, what? No, no, no. And it it didn't ruin the books. I still reread them again as an adult, but it 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 was emotionally trying. But thank you. Uh, for that little, I hope it was inside joke. Maybe it's just maybe we're just both Raceland fans, or you're restful racer. You know, cool. Uh, CDB one two three says, "What the heck?" And CDB three just cut back. No more nightcaps, and now the podcast. Well, that's that's my life too, CDB. So I'm proud of you, and I'll be here. Believe me, I'll be here doing this podcast because I can relate, and I hope I help you sleep. And finally, Gwee-Man says, uh, not ironic, intuitive, perfect. Thank you, Gwee-Man, and thank you all. Good night.